Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us this evening on Vintage McCoy. Uh, tonight, we've got a wonderful guest, Ryan Reese, who is uh, the guy who started the Whosoevers. If you don't know who that is, well, you will. And trust me, this is going to be an epic night. Ryan Reese is going to be with us. Join us. See you in a bit. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. Together, we will make America great again. I have never been more hopeful about America. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The advance of human liberty can only strengthen the cause of world peace. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. But because of the Watergate matter, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. One small step for man. Be able to sing with new meaning. My country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. We shall pay any price. It is indeed we are the defenders of freedom. With the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph. So help us God. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created one in nation, under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Those who forget the past are destined to repeat. And now, your host, Pastor Rob McCoy. Good evening, everybody. With me tonight is Ryan Reese. He, uh, actually, you, you were, uh, we're kind of contemporaries. I mean, I know I'm 56, and yeah, you don't like me to tell your age, but you're 45. Yeah, I don't uh, care. I don't care about that's my age. all cool. <laughs> but but you're the you're the son of Raul Reese, yep. the pastor, mm -hmm. um, youngest youngest son mm -hmm. of Raul Reese. Um, and and the reason why I share all that is because some things paralleled for us uh, when Marcus McClure, Don's son. Mm -hmm was doing uh, youth ministry. I took over for him. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I heard about you long before I'd even had the privilege to meet mm. you. Um, and a lot like Marcus, you know, you guys you guys had uh, the dark ages uh, for a season. You, you went off the rails. Mm -hmm. Both of you were pastor's kids. Mm -hmm. And and now something amazing, our, our paths crossed because in this time of pandemic, yeah. I have to yeah. put that in quotes, yeah. uh, where... where <laughs> They've shuttered everything in California. You and your organization, the Whosoevers, have been fearlessly reaching out to all these young people. And, and what they don't talk about during this pandemic is the psychological and emotional ramifications of locking these yeah. kids down. Uh, in, in our county, child abuse has increased over 300%. And, and wow. in the last 12 months in, in recorded American history, it's the highest number of opioid deaths. Mm -hmm. In a 12-month recorded period in American history, highest. And then we're for watching, under 18 too. Yeah, for under 18. And mm -hmm. we're watching suicide. Mm -hmm. We're watching overdose. And and you just said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to reach these kids. Mm -hmm. And you got a background in professional music, professional skateboarding. Mm -hmm. I mean, when when you went off the rails as a pastor's kid, you 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 got a good education. 
mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that, you know, where most, I guess, Christian kids wouldn't roam, you went in and not only were able to experience it, Abel, but, mm-hmm. but you, were, you made sense of it mm-hmm. and put it together to reach an entire generation of young kids, and mm-hmm. you're doing that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we... Uh, was that a fairly good introduction? Yeah, yeah, that was great. That was great. Okay, I'll see you later. Um, yeah, with all that said, um, you know, I did, I grew up in the church. You know, my dad's Raul Reese, and, um, you know, just growing up, I, I always looked at the forbidden fruit. Like, I, my, my dad, when he was growing, when, when I was growing up underneath my dad, he was like, you know, his church already took off. He had that movie, the Fever Freedom movie, yeah. the book, and he had this platform to go out and, and speak. So I grew up watching how he did ministry evangelism, Bible teacher, and saw the church grow. And it was radical. Like, he'd put, like, striper on it, like, Wednesday night st- study, you know, to hell with the devil and metal music, you know. So my dad was always radical doing these, these, these concerts and stuff. So it was cool because I kind of grew up seeing this, this outreach version. But also during that time, my dad, my brothers were all part of the skinhead and punk movement in Hollywood, Christians, but in main, like, playing in the mainstream, so I grew up in this whole era in the, in the, in the 80s and with the punks, the skinheads, that whole era, uh, that whole underground scene of, of L.A. So I had this, and I was a skateboarder, and we surfed, you know, on the weekends when we'd, you know, leave uh, to the beach on the weekends. But I had this, like, all subculture mentality of, like, hell, Hollywood, straight skateboarding, punk rock. So naturally in that environment the stuff that comes along with all that is drugs, alcohol, yeah. sex, and all that. So I just, just like Adam and Eve, you know, the forbidden fruit, I yeah, saw don't, it. Don't, don't tell me no. Yeah. I, it's it, like motivation. It, shiny objects, <laughs> yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And I, I wanted to know for myself. So my parents were like, you know, don't do this stuff. Don't do. So I'm the kind of guy, like, unfortunately, if you don't tell me to do something, I'm going to try to just, I want to see what's it all about. You're experiential. Exactly. Well, I'll try anything twice. So basically, um, just dove into it, and what that led to me is is uh, landing in. Um, I started throwing uh, concerts in uh, or um, house parties in high school, and that basically was my intro to to actually producing events. Believe wait a minute. Not. Wait a minute. House parties. Uh, your folks are out on the no, doing cruise not at my parents. No, not at my parents. So so uh, we had other friends you organized that it were more loose. Yeah, I wanted everyone to know that. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at my dad's house. Um, but my we had other friends who were like, hey, you could use our house for a party. So what I did is I had one of my friends that actually works for Disney now. He drew up a flyer of this cool looking flyer. I made the the photocopies at my church <laughs> when no one was around. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we and I started promoting for the events, and these 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 high school parties started taking off. So we started doing it in other cities. From there, I got kicked out, and then I at that time kicked I, out of school. School. Yeah, got kicked out of school because we were just crazy, all skateboarder crazy guys. And then I landed in the Hollywood scene, in the rave scene, which is the electronic music yeah. scene, <laughs> back in 19. It was techno music back then, back in 1992. Um, and I, it was like the underground. That was the underground movement of that time. And from there, that opened my eyes to this whole new movement of like creativity, of art, events. So I started producing electronic shows. I was doing hip-hop shows, punk rock shows. So now here I am throwing clubs in, in L.A., and that's starting to take off. And then from there, you know, and I'm, I'm, at this time, I'm still using drugs. I'm still using, I'm just partaking of this stuff. I meet a girl. She's a stripper. I started dating this girl. I fall in love with a stripper. And that was not a good thing, but it was, uh, it was a thing that happened in my life. And during that time, as these clubs were taken off, um, I, I, um, this girl cheated on me. 
uh, I got her pregnant, she aborted a kid, and then I, at that time we tried working things out, and then later on down the line, we decided to get married. And when we got married, she stopped doing drugs, I stopped doing drugs, she stopped stripping, and we got married. We tried doing things right for once. And then she went to the doctors and they discovered that we had identical twins. Mm. Uh, but one egg split and died out, vanishing twin. And then the other one was a survival. So uh, she called me two weeks later and said, Ryan, um, I'm too young. I don't want to have this kid. And she aborted the other kid. Now, at that point, that's what literally destroyed my mind and my heart because I was in love with this girl. And now I had three kids aborted. She cheated on me, and at that point is when I just had this breakdown in my life. And I talk about this in my book, Kill the Noise, uh, is where I just hated God at that point. And I was like, God, how can you do this? Why would you do this to me? Man, I, I, I quit everything. I decided to follow you. I was going to make things right. I was going to marry this girl. And now all this stuff happens. I hate you. And I just remember just throwing my middle fingers in the air and going, I hate you. And I remember I just I broke everything in my room. I, I, at that point in my time, I, was, I moved back in with my parents, and I just destroyed TVs, everything. I destroyed everything in my room. Then one was home because I just lost my mind just like in like so much anger. And, um, but why would I point the finger to God when I'm living like a crazy man? My whole life has been sin from that point, and now I'm blaming him for all the repercussions of all my sin. She was, this girl wasn't a believer and basically what happened from that point, I just said, I'm going to continue to make money, make success. And at that time, I got this job offer to work uh, for a skateboard company, the number one skateboard company in the world at that time, to start it and to run the whole music program, to do the music festivals, to work with the biggest bands and get them more of our products and to launch this team globally. And literally, when we launched it, it was like Beatlemania. I'm going to go a little bit old, more old school. Beatlemania, or if you're a young kid, Justin Bieber mania. <laughs> we were touring the world, and I'm talking, we're filling arenas with, and that's not normal. And their kids are coming out, shaking the car, trying to get to the skaters. It was crazy. Rock stars were even geeking out on the fact that we had these pro skaters that we had. So my life, it just took off from that yeah. point. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so takes off. Yeah, so, okay. You're, well, not, you're, from, in, you're in tall cotton in the world's eyes. All right, so exactly. So now, here I am trying to fill this empty void in my life. I'm broken now, okay? So I have this roots of Christianity in my life. Um, I turned away from sin, but I was not, you know, I, I, I don't even know if I had, I don't say, I, when I turned away from sin, I, would, I don't want to say that. I stopped doing drugs, but I didn't truly repent. Right. And You stopped doing some stuff. But yeah, you, so you, I'm like, I'm a good boy. You were still in charge of your life. Yeah, I'm a good boy. Um, I'm not doing drugs anymore or not drinking. So what happens from there is basically now this, all this crazy stuff comes out of my life. I'm heartbroken. Now I'm doing more drugs. I'm drinking more. And I'm trying to fill that empty void in my life. Why am I drinking so much? What am I looking for in that bottle? Why am I smoking so much weed? Why am I popping so many pills? What am I looking for? I'm basically trying to fill that emptiness inside my life. That's the only thing the Holy Spirit can do in our life. That's why Jesus says, well, if you believe me, you can come to me and I will give you the torrents of living water in John 7, 37. I will fill you that emptiness and overflow you so you can live that spirit-led life. And I was just trying to fill it with drugs and alcohol, just like people out there that are, that are listening to this. And as I was at the top of my career doing these massive 20,000 music festivals, working with the biggest bands, going on tour with these bands, Playboy Mansion parties, Dayton, Vivid Porn, just all this crazy stuff 
that everything I ever wanted, everything that would ever fulfill the body appetites, the flesh. Yeah, but it's never satisfied. Exactly. Whatever, well, if you think, whatever you think would fill it, you know, the, the cars, the motorcycles, the house in Orange County, flying first class around the world, you know, all these things, I had everything for 10 years of this, like nonstop. Like, I got so, bo- we did it so much, I actually started getting so bored of it, because you can only go to so many countries so many yeah. times. Yeah. So basically now I found myself in the situation where because like Chuck Smith uh, would say about cotton candy, you know, when, when you look at cotton candy, like if I go to Disneyland with my kids, I like the purple, the pink cotton candy. You look at it, it looks fulfilling, so you buy it, and you take a big bite, and what happens when you take a huge bite? It turns into little pebbles. Yeah. It, it just dissolves. So then you take another bite, and you take another bite until finally you eat about four big bites, and they're half, half the bag in your mouth, and you feel sick. Yeah. And that is what sin is. You just keep partaking and the, partaking. And the world grows dull if, if it's just, uh, yeah. Once you've done it, it's like, yeah, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. <coughs> yeah. And that's why, you know, uh, <coughs> he says, uh, Blaise Pascal said, the, the French philosopher, God created every man with a, a God-shaped void is what you were yeah. referring to. Mm-hmm. But I also think, too, that uh, he created a subject of vanity, that that he, the Lord made us in such a way that nothing in the world will fulfill us and, and satiate and satisfy us mm-hmm. so that we'll always be drawn to him. I, I, and this is a perfect example. I, I mean, you know, folks watching this and maybe having their, their kids watch it where you think, you know, it's, it's the plane, oh, it's the job, oh, it's, it's, the, yep. it's the fame. And yet, whatever the rich flew, you flew, or wherever the rich stayed, you stayed, wherever the, whatever the rich would eat, you'd eat, whatever they, you know, you did all that. Mm-hmm. And if that's all the world has, it's really it's, not worth it. It's 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 so empty, and that's the thing between like a relationship with God. And so you're, you're kind of like a Solomon, excuse me. You're kind of yeah, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you did it all. Yes you, yes, you were born into the palace in the mm-hmm. sense that you're a pastor's kid. Mm-hmm. You you you're aware True. of 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 the living God. Mm-hmm. Um, you have access to all the blessings that come with that, mm-hmm. um, and then you you don't use those to grow deeper with the Lord. You use those to say, okay, let me make sure what you're saying is right. Mm-hmm. And so it's afforded to you to go out. And if you could find fulfillment in the world, you, you gave it a really good shot. We had access to, to, to everything. It's like, you know, I, I was talking the other day. I was like, we lived like we were millionaires. Um, I mean, just because the skateboard company was so massive at that time. It was, money was just being thrown around like, like nothing. Contracts and everything. And yeah. my job was to take everyone out and have a good time. So it's like, <laughs> naturally, you're going to fall into this lifestyle. And you're going to get, you know... Uh, hooked in this lifestyle, but what's interesting is maybe people might be going, "Well, what about your dad? He's a pastor. Where was he in all this?" He's well, praying, praying for you. We all, we all, yeah, he's praying for me. Uh, we all, we all rode, we all have a Harley, so we all ride together, and that's kind of a door that was cool because we grew up surfing with my dad, and he got us into dirt bikes and 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 into Harleys and everything. So during that time, a lot of our us and the team riders, we all we all had bikes, so we'd all cut together sometimes on Saturdays, and my dad would bring down all his friends, and I'd have all our friends, and we'd go ride together. So there's always this relationship happening yeah. naturally. And then my dad <clears throat> would pull me aside. <clears throat> or not really pull me aside. We'd have like a moment like where we, you know, we're hanging out, eating or whatever. And he'd be like, hey, Ryan, he's like, God has a plan for your life. And I'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, but God has a plan for my life. I'm like, I'm living the life. Like what you're seeing on MTV and you're reading about magazines, like that's my life. I'm, and your dad's like, I don't watch MTV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, everything that everyone wants to live, like I'm doing that. And I'm doing it like seven days a week around the world pretty much. 
I'm like, what would God do in my life? Like, I have the life. So, I, but I just remember he would always say that. And um, I just remember I'd have these times that I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit at that time. But I'd be driving down the street and I don't know, I would hear something or, or like, like just like on the radio or, or a song or something. And I would get like that. Now I know it's that Holy Spirit where you get choked up. Yeah. And then I'd have these like little like the Holy Spirit would be intervening in these times of my life. And I'd get emotional and I was just like, what the heck is that? So the whole time, because the job of the Holy Spirit is to draw all man to yeah. himself. Yeah. So he's still trying to draw me, but I'm so caught up in all this noise. You know, like I was talking about in my book, it's called Kill the Noise. Finding meaning above the madness. And I'm caught up in the noise. And what's the noise? It, the noise is the lust of the eye, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. It's the, all the shiny objects. It's the stuff that we're watching on social media that's, 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 that Satan is. is the, Jesus says the eye is a light to the body, right? Yeah. So the and light. It's got to keep going. It's flashing and hitting. And it's got to keep it, you, you know, you're like a, like a bobble in a trinket. You're like, oh, look, a squirrel. You can just. Well, well think about this. Who, who's the, the, the most shiny object ever to be created besides God? It's Lucifer. Lucifer, yeah. Right. God's most beautiful angel. Yeah, exactly. So since when he was created, he was created with the most wisdom. He was the most beautiful creation ever. You know, some believe that he was the choir director, he right? Under, he understood uh, music, absolutely, yeah. I mean, when you look at him, yeah. he had the, he had the, he had the um, pipes built in him. He had the tremble with the tambourines around the side. So the tremble, the, the, the tambourines. Let's not give him any time. Let's just keep going. Yeah, the high, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but when you look at him, but think about this. Like, he's the, he's the shiniest object ever. Yeah. Right? So here he is, and he is the fisher of men. Satan's the fisher of men. He's been doing it. Think about how powerful of a fisherman he is. He literally took one-third of the angels from heaven and brought them down. Yeah. So you don't think he'd come after stupid uh, humans? Like, he's a shiny object. He will hook us. And basically that's the whole thing is all that noise is his job is to hook us and control us. But yet the Holy Spirit is trying to penetrate, to get into me. But what happened is I was so stubborn that I just kept going after state, kept going, chasing him basically. And at times I got to the point where I started talking to him. And I'd be like, hey, connect me with this person. Hey, get me in here. And I'd have these conversations with him. And all these doors started opening. I started dating this. With, With the Lord? Satan. Oh, with Satan. My bad. Yeah, start, I'd have conversations with him to start opening doors for me, and more doors kept opening. And at that time, I started dating this other girl that was in, she was into the occult. Yeah. So as I'm dating her, now I'm starting to have uh, demonic entities manifest in my room. Demons choking me out. They call it sleep paralysis in the mainstream, but it's, uh, it's demonic encounters. Not in me, but around me, yeah. holding me down, manifesting. The, the, the idea is <clears throat> when, you, when you go into business... It, when you go into a partnership with the devil, you find out quick you're a junior partner. Mm-hmm. And, but, and then he'll buy you out. But this is the thing. Snuff you out. I, I'd be laying in bed and I'd be having these demonic encounters, but I never called out to Jesus. Because I also remembered my dad when I was young. He'd be like, Ryan. I remember I was like five or seven years old, back like Calvary Chapel, West Canina days. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, Ryan. He's all, if you're not hot or cold and you're lukewarm, God will spit you out of his mouth. And that verse literally was probably the only verse that ever stuck with me my whole life for whatever reason. Wow. It just stuck with me. And, that was, and I remember just being in this situation, but I'm like, but I'm with the devil. Like, I'm, with, I'm rolling with him. Like, I, why am I, I I'm not, and, and the thing is I'm a skateboarder, so I'm not going to be a poser, right? So that was my biggest hangup is like, I don't want to be a poser and all of a sudden run to God because I'm having some issues over here. So I just stayed on this side. Yeah. And I just rolled with the devil. And that led me to basically, fast forwarding, is, is ODing in uh, Costa Rica, 90s of cocaine, Xanax, and alcohol. You and overdosed in Costa Rica. That after was the third time. 
Third time. Third time of an OD, yeah. So that's hospitalization. Well, I, no one called the ambulance. So the skate team found me, and basically they called my dad, and they said, hey, we don't think your son's going to make it out of here alive. And because, uh, you know, if you go to Costa Rica, they could call the cop, everyone could go to jail and the whole yeah. thing. It's a, it could be a mess down there. So they just called my dad and said, we don't think he's going to make it out alive. So my parents started praying. And by God's grace, I came out of it. And so that, that, was, that was cocaine Xanax? Co- nine days of cocaine Xanax and alcohol. Wow. Yeah. And, that, and I just hit it and I was done at that last one. But I remember waking up the next morning and, and uh, I, I, we went to like where you know, I filmed Predator. Yeah. That, and they had like this, they had this, I remember like being so out of it in the morning in the, in the, in the car because we were going to the new zip lines. And I remember seeing this hill and there was two palm trees or two trees with a hammock. And I went and I slept it off. And when I got back to the hotel that night, I was clear headed. And I remember just being in my room going, okay, God, like, are you real, Jesus? Like now I'm like, okay, are you real and do you exist? I'm 33 at this time. And I'm like, I've, I've, I've done the church thing. I've done the, uh, the Satan thing. Like now, are you real? And if you're real and you exist, prove that you're real to me. And I was serious. And that's like the key of repentance, right? It's like being like real with God. And I said, if you're real, forgive me my sins and come into my heart and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because I've heard that prayer a million times in church. Nothing happened. I'm like, great. Now what am I going to do? And I remember there's these Bibles in these hotel rooms. And they're called Gideon Bibles. And they're everywhere. And I opened the drawer in the Panama City Hotel in the Sheraton. Opened it up and it said Holy Bible on it. I'm in a Spanish-speaking country. Holy Bible. I opened it up, started reading it. Nothing happens. I'm like, great. But this was a pivotal moment in my life. Is I... I never confessed in my life that I had a drug problem or an alcohol problem or any problem because then if I confessed it, then I had a problem, Yeah. right? That's the deception. That's the stronghold. That's the yeah. foothold. I don't have a problem. It's just the life I've chosen. I could quit. Yeah. I could quit at all. Because I'll go five days, you know, without drinking or, or doing drugs or a week or two, whatever, you know? I don't have a problem. So what happened is I remember going down to the skate team. They were all in the jacuzzi down there. And I walked down and I remember I was, just felt like I had to confess, after I prayed that prayer. So there's the Holy Spirit working, right? Immediately. Yeah, yeah. And I went, and I didn't know at the time what was going on, but I was like, hey guys, I just want to say something. I'm like, look, I'm like, I got a drug. And, and dude, it was like stuck right here. I talk about this in the book. It literally was like, I, have I, a- <laughs> I was like, I, I have a problem. It's like, with it's drugs. like Jim Carrey and uh, Liar Liar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, I have a problem with drugs and alcohol. And that was the gnarliest thing for me to say. And, and I, but also did freedom. I just felt this like weight come off. And I was like, I have a tr- problem with drugs and alcohol and I go and I need to get help. And, and that was it. And they were like, dude, we got your back, Ryan, whatever. So basically we got on the plane the next morning. I stole the Bible from the hotel and I started reading the Bible on the plane and they were just looking at me like, he's reading the Bible, what the heck? And I was like, hey, if God's real, he's in this book and I'm gonna find him, that's all I know. And I was like focused. And I read the Bible for six hours straight and I remember landing, I felt peace for the first time in my life, and I remember just going home that day, going to bed, woke up the next morning, and I heard this song singing through my head. This is the day the Lord has made. I, I will, will rejoice, rejoice and be glad. And it kept repeating over and over, and I was like, it, that, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, it wonderful words, but that tune is like old school. It's, it's like a, it's a, it's a, it was a song from my uh, uh, Sunday school. Yeah, but it, but it's also like going through. It's a small, small world in uh, Disneyland. I mean, it's true. Yeah, but that one obviously it's going to get your attention. It this can, is the day. It, that's the song. Yeah. That is the song. And it was going through my head. Here I'm, 33 years old, singing that little kid song, 
And I'm like, I'm outside smoking a cigarette, like, and it started right when I opened my eyes. I went downstairs and it continued to me going outside while I'm smoking a cigarette, going, What the heck is this? And what's funny enough is after I started studying the Bible and teaching it, I realized the day that Jesus Christ revealed that he was the Messiah to the nation of Israel, you know, that's, in, in, that's, what, the, that's what it says. This is the day the Lord has made. You know, he came down to, to reveal himself as the Messiah. And that's what he revealed himself, that he was the Messiah to me at that point by manifesting in that way through the Holy Spirit. And I called my dad and I said, Dad, I gave my life. Oh, no, I didn't even tell you this, but. At this point in my life, I was I was experimenting with crack, heroin. I mean, you name it, all the way down. And I said, you were in, you were into amateur chemistry. I was deep. Yeah. I was deep, and it's just I wasn't like hooked on anything. I just partied with whatever, wherever we were at. But I called my dad and I said, Dad, um, I need. I gave my life to Christ yesterday in a hotel room. I read the Bible. I came home and I'm hearing this song singing through my head. And he said, Ryan, that's the Holy Spirit, and God has a plan for your life. And that's when I knew, I was like, okay, it all connected. And I went to the church and I was like, okay, dad, I need to get a Bible. Cause I have a really bad reading level. Cause I was always bad in school. Kicked out, I had ADD. So they kick, I got kicked out of school constantly. And they put me in all the special ed classes because they didn't know how to deal with me. Cause I was too hyper and crazy. Yeah. Well, what you do is you just like me, you just sit and listen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of like this. So I on switch. It's, it's true, man. I'm, I'm, I'm amped. And, uh, I just got a, he goes, Ryan, get a new Living Translation Bible. And then I got the Chuck Smith CDs and I just started hammering through it. I went to church basically every day for seven days. I was calling a rehab to go to it. I never went to rehab. I just basically prayed and God healed me from the drugs and alcohol literally that day. Yeah. It's been 13 years, done. But my rehab is, and I, I mean, I don't go to rehab. I just go to church and, and read the Bible every day and study. And what God did through the work of the Holy Spirit is he just transformed my mind, made all things new. Amen. You know, and my memory that I have now is killer. And I'm like, dang. You didn't rehab, you reformatted. Reformatted, exactly. Washed my mind with the word. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think this is a this is a a good declaration for folks that are tuning in that, you know, they, they're watching, they're not convinced about having a relationship with the Lord. Or or one of one of the things I always find that people say is, you know, I grew up in the church, I'm a Christian. And, and I think what a perfect declaration that that doesn't work when I'm sitting across from you because if anyone would just be a Christian by osmosis, it would be you. I mean, your dad's a, a renowned pastor. You grew up in the church. Um, you were exposed to all these things. Your mom is, I mean, phenomenal in what she, how the Lord used her, especially in my, my own family's life. And if osmosis worked, that would be it, but it doesn't. Mm-mm. And and you you went after it, it mm-hmm. opposite. I mean, you, you went the opposite direction. And being born in a in a garage doesn't make you a car anymore, and being born in a church makes you a Christian. Yeah. You you had to come to that place where this is a, a personal decision by uh, a, a responsible human being mm-hmm. before his creator to say, you know, I'm I'm I've been running this show and I have really jacked it up. Yeah. I've screwed it up. Um, first, will, will you forgive me? And second, will you, will you save me and and take over from here? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's it, a great. It, I mean, for folks tuning in, that's that's a great picture. Yeah, it has, it's a personal. It's a. It all comes down to a personal relationship where you have to get to a place in your life where you realize that you need a savior. And what he wants to do is he wants to give you that peace. He wants to give you that hope. He wants to give you that direction. 
He wants to give you that life abundantly. You know, the, the Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come to give a life abundantly. And literally... You choose one of two masters. And it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, my story has, like, you know, at this, at this particular time, it has a lot of, uh, you know, we're talking about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but honestly... You know, I had major, major success. Like, if you, when I, if I would, would go back and talk about all the the bands and the reach that I created with the saying, I had major, major success. The drug was just the the drugs were the what I was trying to fix my my brokenness with. Yeah. You know, that emptiness with, but the success was all there. So it wasn't like I was a drug addict hiding in a hotel room. It was like I was doing this stuff worldwide, and yet no money, no success, no girls, no house, none of that stuff ever. Feel that empty void, and people think that if you know when they're looking at these shiny objects on screen time, nine hours, ten hours a day, they're seeing that this stuff will make them happy. But as now with what I'm doing now with the whosoever's, we're still in the world. I still at music festivals. I'm at raves. I'm at well, my friends basically throw them all, or my bands, my friends are playing in them. Be in the world, but not of it. I'm in it. And I'm bringing the gospel, and I'm, I'm picking people off like sniper mode. And yeah. when I'm backstage, I'm like a sniper. I'm like, all right, Holy Ghost, where are we going? Who are we talking to? And conversations happen, and we're leading people, Lord, side stage, backstage, green rooms. You know, in the parking lots, I'll just go through and start talking to people in the crowd. And it's really, the harvest is ripe in those areas because you're at a concert. Yeah, they're junk. They're, and everyone's having a good time. Yeah, they're, they're trapped in the jungles of prosperity, and, and you're, you're going deep into it, and you're... But a lot of them have shrinks, yeah. and a lot of them are on antidepressants, yeah, and they're yeah. getting divorced, and their kids are, are suicidal. When you start digging into what's happening, the, the, the reaction from this stuff. And there's, and there's not a lot of people they can trust, because even the ones posing that they're coming to help them are just wanting either to connect to their fame yeah. or take their wealth. And they're, they're suspect it's of true. anyone who surrounds them. They can't trust anybody. Yeah. And then you're going in there to just introduce them to the living God. And you know what, that's, that's awesome that you said that because that, that's also is, when you start dealing with, you know, um, you know celebrities or different people, you, know, you have groupies, obviously, you know, that's, that's an old yeah. school thing, but, but people want access to fame and, and you've seen a lot of these younger pastors that have been attached to these rock stars, they, they get book deals, they do their whole thing and right. they want to like, they want to um, use that as, a, as you know, it's it's like it's like everybody wrong, wants to use somebody it's, it's else. Not, it's the wrong motives. Yeah. Where with us, the way it happened, the way the movement was birthed was with the guitar player from Corn, lead singer from POD, and myself. God brought. We never even know each other before, really. Like, well, I didn't know Head at all, but I met Sonny one time, and I knew he was a Christian. So when I got saved, he was the first one I called, and I said, "Hey, Sonny, I, I, like, let's like hang out," because he's the only guy I could relate to that was in the world. Tell but everybody who Sonny is. Sonny's the lead singer of the band P.O.D., which was like a massive, mat. when I met him, these guys were like the biggest thing out at that time. Um, but we connected. He was a solid Christian, got saved at the Billy Graham Association, uh, Billy Graham Crusade. Crusade. And his, my, his mom was dying of um, leukemia and said, you need to go there because you need to be in heaven with me. Mm. So he got saved, started P.O.D., which became a huge Christian band. Christians in a band on a secular label. They actually paved the way for all these Christian bands now. Yeah. But we got together. God put us all together. And Head, when he gave his life to the Lord from Corn, that was all over the TV, you know. He, he's, Sonny's the first guy he called, too, I found out. So God used Sonny to have this influence in the music industry. So when we all came together, everyone already knew these guys were massive rock stars. But yet, they all found God. So when we came together, it just started like this like this small community of us just going out and sharing our stories. There was no like plan. 
to go. And you guys weren't deep theologians. You're almost like the, the blind man. They're coming up and going, was it your sin or your parents' sin that caused you to be blind? And he's like, look, I don't know your exactly. theological <laughs> stuff. I just know that I was blind. Now I see. And that guy over there, Jesus saved me. That's You're it. not going into deep theological discussion. No. You're just telling people what happened. No. And that's exactly how it started. We had quit corn. Sonny actually quit POD at that time. I quit Circa. And God just put us three together. Yeah. And we even had Lacey from Flyleaf as well. She's done a lot of stuff with Franklin Graham. But we all kind of came together, and we all were from different walks of life, and we just had our story. Yeah. And we're like, hey, let's just go share. So we'd be like five people here, and people would be like, how did all you guys just show up for like five people? Because there was no plan. Yeah. And then it just started growing, and it turned into this world movement, and then we were doing music festivals. When and did you come up with the name The Whosoever's? We, uh, we were in, um, well... After I got saved, we were hanging out with Sonny for a while, and I said, hey, Sonny, I go, my dad's taking a group to Israel. And I go, I want to go, I want to go now to the Holy Land, and I want to see what's up with this whole Jesus thing now, now that I'm reading the Bible. So I go, have you ever been there? And he goes, no. I go, I need a roommate. Let's go. So we went, and when we were out there, he basically was just saying, um, he goes, I have this name called the Whosoever's. I wanted to use it for a reggae band, but he's like, I see it like a worldwide movement of people coming under the umbrella of Believing in Christ, because when you travel, you travel. You're traveling a lot now, probably with you know uh, Charlie a lot. But when you go to different, even different parts of America, Christianity changes. Yeah, it does. Well, try different parts of the world, and you, I'm sure you have too. When you're in, as you travel now with different bands, Australia to Europe, Christianity changes so much, and there's so much that can divide that doesn't need to be divided. You know, there's some things that need to divide because some stuff's wacky, but. At the end of the day, the gospel, leading people to the Lord, is whosoever believeth. Yeah. So he goes, I see this like a worldwide movement of us coming together under the scripture of whosoever believeth and reaching people with our stories. That's a good word. And then plug them into churches. Yeah. So, and, then, and then you started doing these things. Well, yeah. So well, we were doing music festivals for a while. And then oh. I'm like, well, we started doing massive music festivals. And we're like, dude, we're spending like 300000 <clears throat> Uh, and all the bands play for free, but we're still spending like three hundred thousand yeah, dollars. You got to set the stage and the lights for an eight-hour event. Yeah. We're like, you all year you try to raise money for eight hours. That's weak. I'm like, I'm trying to party every day. I want to reach people every day for Christ. So from there we go. How do we use less money and do more events? So we started. We we downsized. We bought a stage, sound and lighting, or no lights, but just like a mini stage for schools. And we go. We're gonna go into public schools, and people go. You can't do that. We're like, well, God's leading us to do that. And what happened is we ended up doing public schools after, con- we set up the, the stage sound lighting in the quads after school. Crazy. And then we, we were seeing like, you know, a couple hundred kids come out getting saved and we had a good reaction. But then one day someone said, I want you to come speak. Calvary Chapel Chino Valley said, I want you to come speak at a high school assembly at lunch. I'm on lunch. Is anyone going to show up? It was a rainy day. I showed up. My friend started, he rapped like three songs. They were giving pizza to the kids. The place was packed, like 600 kids packed. And I'm like, wait, this is at lunch during school. And they go, we're going to give you the mic, share your story. I gave, they gave me the mic, I shared my story. Literally, dude, like there was only six kids in the bleachers left. Literally, everyone came down. It was like a revival <laughs> broke out. That's great. And I said, this is it. Yeah. So from that point, we started doing lunchtime assemblies in schools. We did it for four years prior to the pandemic. We saw 85,000 students give their life to the Lord in the public school system all around the world. And it was, revival was breaking out and then boom, the pandemic hit. Yeah. 
So that's where we were. I was sitting at home going, I just got that book. Yeah, yeah you, you wrote this while you were sitting at home. So the pandemic broke out. So I'm like, I had an opportunity to do a book. So I, I, I signed um, with Matt Yates and he got me a book with Hashtag Publishing and Faith Words. And um, I'm like, I'm going to, well, someone <laughs> prior to this, about six months before that, I was, back, I was backstage and this guy prophesied over me of what I would do and what kind of book it would be. And basically I walked in to get the book deal and the guy goes, I don't want your story. He's I want you to write a discipleship book. He's all, you're a Calvary guy. You teach the Bible. I've seen your studies. I was like, you have a voice with the youth. You need to do a discipleship book and a series of books. And that's exactly what that word said. And I signed the deal and I did it. So, it's, so a, cool. it's a faith builder so discipleship. It's called Kill the Noise. Kill the Noise. And uh, Finding Meaning Above the Madness, which you alluded to and, and addressed early on in our conversation together, that you know when you're running in that world, it is just, it, it, you, you can't think straight. I mean, there's always something to occupy your eyes, your ears, every sense of the human body. And then, uh, you know, what is it? Psalm 131, I don't consider uh, matters too profound for me, but I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child. Where you just kind of say, you know, God, I, I just want to calm down and sit with you. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and it's, it's, it's um, kill the noise. It's, I use that as repent. So I say the word repent, but I tie it to kill the noise. That's the moment when I was in that hotel and I said, God, are you real? I'm done. That's when I killed the noise. I repented. You just shut it down. Just I sh- that's it. But what's interesting is, you know, all the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, that's only the first chapter. <clears throat> all the rest is going to take you through the process of what sin is, the job of the Holy Spirit, the sanctification, the call of God, God's signs in the storms. When you go through those storms, I have a chapter called uh, live in the impossible, that not all storms come to disrupt your life, but some come to clear your path. And the transformation of me being in ministry, teaching at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, at my dad's church, having a Bible studies on both nights, thriving, and then God just shuts it down when I, uh, there's this thing, I'm not going to kill the book, but there's, there's a thing that happens in my life where God was doing this whole new work, but at the time I'm like, what are you doing? And it just talks about this whole process, and it teaches us as Christians how to kill the noise because I can get caught up in noise. Yeah. You can get so busy in ministry. Uh, beware the barrenness of a busy life. And, you can and, be and busy. ministry can just be as dark as the world when it's it's all about budgets, buildings, and baptisms. I mean, it, yeah. it's 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 complicated too because I, I I have a wife, I have kids. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just jump from from well, uh, yeah. You know, you you. you Three, three children that you never got to never got to see the the light of day. Yeah, to yeah. Uh, crushed okay, and, and then and then all of a sudden you're married. Wait, you're you're throwing everybody off. Okay, I I don't want to keep you forever, but tell us uh, no, no, tell no, us wait, about that, your family let's now. Go, yeah, let's go for it. So, well, back to the killer noise. I just want to hit on this. It's complicated for me. Uh, there is a lot of stuff in my life that I have to really try to navigate through. Where I'm asking God because I'm I am one of the co-founder of the Whosoever's Movement. So I. I oversee the movement and the art campaign and the direction of everything. But then I also have another business where I uh, custom branded, where I do all custom footwear and apparel for brands. Yeah. So I run a full on other business Take as two, well. Two areas. So I'm like, I'm like this and then touring and stuff. So there's a lot of noise that I have to really focus on and say, okay, God, I, I, got, I got to be fully committed to both areas, but how do you find that balance? And that's what the book kind of talks about is, how to know your call and walk through it all without letting the enemy, Satan, come with their shiny objects to try yeah. to lure your way through these platforms. That's a good word. So, um, so, how do they get the book real quick? Oh, uh, you could buy it like everywhere books are sold, like Barnes and Nobles, Walmart, so Target. So it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, okay. 
Kill the Noise. Uh, kill, yeah, or you can just go to killthenoisebook.com or type in my name and it'll pop up. Awesome. Amazon, hey, want to click away? Uh, my website, whatever, it's all there. It's all right. everywhere. All right. Um, but, uh, okay, so here's what we're going to do for the sake of time. Okay. Um, bring us to the place where you are. Tell us about your family, um, just how you guys came to this place uh, and, and met each other. Tell everybody about that. And then we'll close by kind of talking about what you're doing here locally and how you and I got connected. Yeah. So let's, oh, yeah, let's yeah. start with your family first. Okay. So that was a very interesting time in my life because <clears throat> I, was, I was single and ready to mingle. Uh, Christian dating. Oh, my gosh. That was crazy. <laughs> I talk about this in my book. So I'll give, you, I'll give you a little bit. But basically, here I am out of the world. Well, I'm, I'm saved now for about five years. And I decided I'm not going to kiss a girl. I'm not going to date a girl until I find the girl I'm married because I always, <laughs> I already did all that <laughs> and it just stunk. Yeah. So I waited for the, and I, and I went, I struggled really hard during that time. You know, this is for single people because here I am 33 years old to 35 years old or five years, 38 years old. I'm single and I'm traveling all over the world and, and I, I don't have the gift of singleness you know, and um, it was a very, that was a very trying time in my life. But God, we're looking back, God had to clean me up. <laughs> like yeah. He had to like get rid of my porn problem and he had to just walk me through that sanctification process. And also the girl that God was about to bring me was not ready either. Yeah. You know, so what happened is I got that invite by Chuck Smith to start teaching at Calvary Costa Mesa. And it was funny because I was telling everyone, man, I need to start doing a resident night in Orange County uh, so I can meet my wife because I had rules. I don't, I'm not going to L.A. anymore. I'm not driving far, long-distance dating. She has to be in Orange County in my, <laughs> in my circle, right? So, so I'm like, I'm, and I've always had a desire from a young age to, to marry a girl from, you know, Orange County area because I wanted to be down, you know, in that area. So first night I speak there, I go to the back, and I share my rawest testimony of my, of my, my life. And I go to the back, and I see this girl in the very back, and I'm just like, who in the heck is that? But then I'm like, I'm the guy that just spoke at the church. I can't be picking up on girls, you know? But I'm like, this is where I need to pick see a girl, right? So anyway. A man who finds a wife finds a good thing. Exactly. So I see her. Long story short, I, I see her, and I'm like, this girl, there's something special about this girl. She's just, like, standing out. Well, fast-forwarding, I asked the girl, is she a Christian that she came with? And she's like, no, so I don't date non-Christians. So I meet her. I uh, get introduced to her. She, she flies back to New York. Uh, she's working for the, the uh, she managed Sean White, the Olympian snowboarder. She was at Red Bull for, for years. She did the Olympics with him, and then she got hired by him to start Sean White Enterprise, all of his, his company, all his apparel and stuff. So she's working with him, and then right when I met her, she just got um, hired from the guys that started Facebook, the Winkleboss twins. So she was working with them on the Bitcoin currency, the launch. So she's in New York doing her thing. I'm in L.A., she goes back, and then she ends up resurfacing back in, at, my, at the church where I was at. And what happens is her parents, she lives in, from Dana Point, but her grandma's dying. So she's flying back and forth. I meet her again, and this time I'm like, hey, let's go Christian dating. Let's go to uh, pizza. And I just start picking off people that remember me. I'm like, you want to go eat pizza with me? Like random people? Yeah. So I showed up with the most random posse to like BJ Pizza with her and her friend, and I'm like, you know, giving her their interview. So do you go to church? She's like, yeah. I go, well, when do you go? Easter, Christmas. Yeah, CEO. Yeah, I'm like, so, um, so are you Christian? She goes, no, I'm Catholic. And I'm like, oh. So I'm like, dang it. So I'm like, I'm going to give you a book before you leave here. It's called Living Water by Chuck Smith, you know, the Holy Spirit book. 
So I, I basically ended up giving her a book before she left town. She went back to New York. Fast forwarding, God did this thing where he removed her and got her a job in Hollywood to work for another record label out here in Hollywood. So she's taking a plane back from uh, New York City. She gets to page 54 in, in the book, Living Water, and it says, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, don't turn the page. So before the plane comes off, she gives her life to Jesus, and she, sits, she starts bawling. The Holy Spirit just gets her. Wow. She texts me, Ryan, um, I just prayed this prayer. I'm crying. I don't know what's going on. I said, you just got filled with the Holy Spirit, and God is real, and he's revealing himself to you. So she had to go to airplane mode, and she finished the book on, on the way back. The next day she calls me when she lands, and she's like, hey, I go, oh, I call her, I go, what are you, what are you doing? What do you want to hang out today? And she's like, let's go to church. I'm like, yes, she's becoming a Jesus girl. <laughs> so we go in, and we're at John Randall's church down in San Juan. Yeah, I like John. And he speaks about water baptism. Uh, by, John the way, the Baptist. John, by the way, John's fearless. Yes. He joined us when, when all the other churches shut, not John. Yeah. Love that man. He did, he, he did, he so did. So teach, teach on John the Baptist. John the Baptist, and, and I'm like in church with her, and I'm just like, dude, this girl's hot. She's amazing. I'm not even paying attention. I'm just like, whoa, this is going down right now. Like, I got my girl, right? And what happens is, basically, we leave out of there, and she's like, I need to get baptized. And I'm like, what? She's like, I need to get baptized. She's like, everything I've ever known about Catholicism, it's like, this, this, like, this is the real thing. I need to get baptized. And I'm like, I'm doing my first baptism tomorrow down at Pirate's Cove for the whosoever's. So I took her down. I started, I dunked her to dating her. And that was it, man. And from that point, fast forwarding, I want to leave. There's so many crazy stories that happened from that point on how we got married and, 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 and how the triplets happened. Because basically, Come on. Just, just tell me a, a little bit. T- okay, so how long have you been married? I've been married for like six years now. Okay, and you got triplets. So basically what happened is we went through infertility. So do I, do I have time just to say it? You can take as much time as you oh, want. Oh, okay. I thought we had a time. Okay. No, no, it's not like I have sponsors that pay okay. for the program. Okay. And let's break for a moment. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, okay. I just have people who love to hear stories. Okay, so like let's me. go for it. Okay, yeah. so this is in the Living the Impossible chapter in the book. So, I meet, so we start dating, and now I'm like, okay, we're dating, you're hanging out. She's going to church. She's reading the Bible. And about a couple weeks, I'm, I'm interrogating her to just kind of know her, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, that, actually, I'm not going to quote the movie. But, um, <laughs> do it. Come on. <laughs> you know, remember the Meet the Fockers? Right there? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robert De Niro? Yeah, 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 yeah. When he has them all, you know. T- yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you've been, you've been going to church how long? <laughs> so, anyway, uh, I interrogated her for a while to see what her deal is. And from there, so you hooked her up through a lie detector test, kind of basically, thing. Yeah, basically, but you're Robert De Niro going yes, after yeah, okay. yes, ben yes. Stiller. You can ask her; she got interrogated. So anyway, we're, we're dating, and, and and about a couple weeks into it, um, you know, we're going to church, and then all of a sudden, we're at my birthday party. Well, it's meeting her at dinner, and her birthday is September 13th. I'm September 20th, so we celebrate together, and she gives me a birthday card. Wait, wait. What? Birthday's when? September 13th, she is, and I'm September 20th. That's my wife's birthday. Was it 20th? Yeah. Don't wait. There's so many September people. Yeah. I can't even tell you how many. So we're you here. Know, you know why? Why? Because winters are cold. It is, and it's Christmas time. Yeah, so you yeah, get busy. Exactly. Right, everyone's, everyone's off work, <laughs> hanging out. Exactly. I know. I, st- I did that like about like, probably like six months ago. I'm like, why are there so many September? So I started counting backwards. I'm like, Christmas holidays, New Year's, everyone's just hanging out. Uh, okay, my turn, real quick. Yeah. My mom's dying of cancer in the hospital, <clears throat> and I got to go visit her. She's in the ICU. Not, I have to go visit I want to go visit her. Mm-hmm. And my, you can only have a couple people in there at a time. So... I'm out in the waiting room just trying to kill time, and I'm thinking, 
uh, conception calendar. I come across it, you know, and I'm thinking, I was born August 10th, because it's coming up towards my birthday. Yeah. And I thought, I wonder when I was conceived. So I put in the date of my birthday, mm -hmm. and then the conception calendar kicks in. And I go, I wonder what happened in that period of history. I was conceived the day that Kennedy was shot. So I go in to my mom, and I'm like, Mom, I was just doing the conception calendar, and I found out I was conceived when Kennedy was shot. And, and through this oxygen mask, she goes, we were the last in the country to know. <laughs> That's kind of fun. All right, where were we? <laughs> so your wife, September 13th, you're September 20th. No, she said that. Yeah, That's she did. It was precious. That is my, great. We always deal with trauma in our family with humor. And my yeah, mom, lovely lady. Yeah, We do too. All right, so September 20th, September oh, 13th, oh, all yeah. this. Oh, yeah, so we're at the birthday part. We're me and her at dinner. And then she, uh, she gives me the card. And at the bottom of the card, it has... Second Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord search through the earth to strengthen whose hearts that are fully committed. And I read it, and I'm like, I look at it, I'm like, where'd you get this verse from? And she's like, I Googled it. Okay, now remember, she's been to church probably like five times, yeah, four, four times. times. Yeah, Four times. She's, she's, read, she's pulling that she's read through a couple. She's read through like a couple chapters in, yeah, yeah. In, in Matthew, maybe. Yeah. That's where she started. And I'm like, she's like, I Googled encouraging verses. And like she's all sixty of them popped up on the page, and this is the one that just like popped off the page. So I pulled my phone out and I go, "Look." She went to Rabbi Google. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I went, I, I pulled my phone out and I said, "Look, in my phone, for the last five years since I got saved, I have my my life verse, Second Chronicles sixteen nine. And I basically pulled it up in my sticky notes and said, "Look, it's my life verse. It's still there. It's not in this one. It's my work yeah. one. But basically, I go, I go, let's." This, basically, she picked my life verse, and you know roughly there's like, what, 30-something thousand verses in the Bible. What are the chances of that, right? And, well, and, and then even, what are the chances of even Googling and then that being an encouraging verse? I know. Yeah, yeah, it's like, That's true. I know. I didn't even think about yeah. that. So anyway, basically what happened is I just said, Let's, we should talk about getting married. And she says, okay. <laughs> Which was crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because listen, I was, I, that girl I married, that, that girl from before that I fell in love with. So I was divorced. And it turns out she was divorced. She had a bad marriage too. She married a, a guy that was a pile of, you know, whatever. Yeah, train wreck. Exactly. So she, she even said the night of marriage, the wedding night, she laid in bed and she was like, I married the wrong guy. Imagine that. So basically um, what happened is we were both divorcees and God restored that and we ended up we got married in six months basically and when we got married in six months and about a year about two years after uh you know we were both older she's 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 younger than me but we're still like getting up there and she's like i think that you know it's time to have kids and we tried having kids we went through infertility could not get pregnant for like years like for like two years so finally i go get checked she gets checked and they're like, you have endometriosis. So she does like this little surgery to clean up the endometriosis to can't get pregnant. So they're like, oh, well, like, let's try some fertility treatments, you know, just some basic stuff. Nothing happens. Failure, failure, failure. Now I'm seeing like anxiety. I'm seeing like depression. And my wife's not like a, she does not like, she she's a happy person. She's right. happy. Yeah. She doesn't deal with this stuff. But I could see that, you know, she's getting bummed out. She can't be a mother. So I'm like, forget this. I'm like, no baby's going to be our, our idol. No baby's going to be our God in our, like having a baby's not going to be the thing we worship. We've, I can't tell you how many divorces have happened with people in the church or in the streets just from like they make this like their thing. Yeah, we can't have children, forget it. Yeah, forget it. And it destroys. They're like trying over and over. And we're watching Netflix series of like someone that tried infertility like in vitro like 12 times. Failure, 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 failure. 
So we're like, we're not going to do this. So then we, we tried all the basic stuff. And then we're like, okay, we're going to try um, IVF for just one last try just to just see what happens. And we saw Netflix, like, there's people that can't get pregnant on this stuff either because God is the giver of life. Yeah. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. So we basically, uh, we, we tried it and boom. We said, God, if we don't get pregnant this time, we're, that's it. We're going to go adopt kids. Boom. We get pregnant, right? And we find out we have fraternal twins. And uh, we go to the doctors. They say we have fraternal twins. I call my dad. I'm like, Dad, we're having twins. For... No way. You're a liar. Don't shut up. Are you serious? I'm like, <laughs> no, I promise. Because we're always playing jokes on each other. And he's like, seriously? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, long story short, uh, we go back a couple weeks later to the doctors for our second appointment because we're considered high-risk pregnancy. And the, they're looking at baby A and B is what they call them. And as a joke, he's like, everything looks good. We want to see you guys in a couple weeks. And as a joke, I go, doctor, what is that? And I point to the screen and he's like, there's another one in there. And I'm like, what? And he's like, there's another one in there. And my wife's like, what the heck? And he moves over her stomach and you hear another heartbeat. He's on one of the eggs split into an ident identical twin a week late. But wait a minute. You got, so fraternal twins and identical twins. And they're all, this is crazy. So two, for, so basically we got I, I know two eggs. Is, but this is so one egg split into identical twins no. a week late. So he said, there's this thing called vanishing twin where the baby will split and die out because it split so late. Remember my previous right, pregnancy? Right. That's what happened. It died out. So yeah. now here I am in the same scenario pretty much. Yeah. And he goes, we can't give you pictures of baby C because you're, you're pretty much going to lose it. So, And yeah. this is a specialist. So we leave. We pray. And we pray. And basically what happens is uh, we go back two weeks later and we go back and baby C catches up. But he goes, listen, baby C caught up, but... Being a week late, it's behind. And it's feeding off the identical twin, too. So are they both going to, like, fight for food? Or like, there's many scenarios that can yeah, and, happen. And if, it's, and, and if, if their, their twin is really greedy and holding the umbilical cord, you know, it's, it's, no, I'm just kidding. But it, it's, they got to be generous. No, it's, no, it's true. It could, it could, they could overeat and one won't get enough food. Yeah, yeah. And, and then my wife, she's very thin and narrow and, like, what do they feel like bunk beds? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, there's there's only so much room here. You know what I mean? So we're like, okay. So we're going through all this. We get the 16 weeks. We go to the doctors and he goes, Ryan, um, we are so sorry to tell you this news, mm. but he's all, you're gonna lose all three of these kids. I'm mm. like, what? And he's like, these babies are millimeters from coming out. Your wife's cervix can't hold them. Mm. It's, they can't hold them. And and you know, there, you've, you've, I don't know how much you know. We've learned all this stuff about pregnancy, but if you have twins or a singleton, you could do a stitch that can hold. Yeah. But we could, or with a singleton, you could do that, but not multiples. So we couldn't do anything. And they're like, these are millimeters from coming out to planet Earth, and they are too young. Their lungs aren't even, they're going to die. So we go home that night, and we're like, we know even though doctor, science, and medicine says they can't do anything, we know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He can do whatever he wants. Amen. So we prayed and we said, God, we've already lost, I've already lost too many kids. We can't go through this stuff. You, you know what? You got to do what you're going to do in this situation. Amen. And we prayed and God woke up my mom in the middle of the night at three o'clock in the morning with a vision. And she saw this vision of a, it was a stormy sea and um, it was, it was the stormy sea and there was three babies on it and one had brown hair and it was looking out the front and two identicals were sleeping in the in the bottom of the boat. And in the stormy sea, 
the boat transformed into Jesus's hand. Mm. So we knew these babies were in a storm, but they were in God's hands. So we knew that. And then Christina, she goes to this church here, you know, with you guys. She, yeah. she, uh, she had a vision that she sent to us during that time that she saw uh, <clears throat> it was three coffins on, and, and off on each coffin uh, it said fear and anxiety and, you know, had said three things. And Jesus came by and wiped off fear, wiped off anxiety and death off yeah, the coffins yeah. and opened up and there was roses in there. And, and basically with their names on it. And um, so we knew that God, this is why my, that, that study in my, Bible, in my book, or that's why the chapter is called God's Signs in the Storms. Because God was giving us signs in the storms during this time. So good. So basically, <clears throat> what happened at that time is these babies, my, my wife got put on extreme bed rest for basically like her hips had to be up like this. Yeah, yeah. Like we're talking about gravity here, right? And just keeping them in by gravity. They're like, there's don't, nothing else. They said, don't get up to cook food. Yeah, yeah. Don't, take, sn- don't sneeze. Yeah, <laughs> take one shower if you have to a day. Like it was like extreme bed rest. And what happened is, um, then the, the, the baby C wasn't getting enough food. Mm, Remember, we were just talking yeah. about that? Wasn't getting enough food in there. So then the doctor was like, we have to get him out because baby C's not growing enough. But he's like, their lungs aren't totally developed. So basically, we kept praying and praying, God, just hold them in another week. It's like every day counted. And what happened is we ended up getting them into 38 weeks. And we ended up Shut having up. 38, 38 weeks. We had healthy triplet daughters. They were in the NICU for two weeks just to make sure that they could suck to eat. They had like the nose feeders yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just for a while. <laughs> but they came out. I remember holding my little daughter, baby C. She was, she, I love this. <laughs> Evelyn, she was this little, and I just remember holding her. She was the first one I got the old, the littlest one. And it was just, it was just so unreal. Um, Amen. It was crazy. I, I, I'm glad you shared that. That's touching. You know, that, and there's nothing more significant than holding a little baby to realize the presence of God. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't care agnostic atheist you've run away you hold that little baby you see there, there's a designer there's an order yeah there's yeah beauty. It, it, it was uh so so but, evelyn but i want i want evelyn? to yeah, i want yeah evelyn so she rocks your world so we named we named we named our kids like during after we heard that 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 that, that vision about what was going on with them we decided to name the kids mm-hmm. and we named them after our prayer so we we named them um uh, Sadie Grace, so Sadie, you know, comes from mercy. Sadie, the, the, the root, root, and then her name, middle name's Grace. So we were praying, God, have mercy and grace. Yeah. Sadie Lynn Grace. And then we, then we named uh, Lillian Hope. Lillian means pure, so pure hope. We were praying for that pure hope of, of God. And then we named Evelyn. Uh, uh, um, oh, I'm sorry, li- uh, Lily Faith. Lily Faith, Lillian Faith, pure faith. And then we named Evelyn Hope. Um, and, and basically, um, li- uh, Evelyn means life, life and hope. So those are our prayers that wow. we gave to their names. And now, what's, what the craziest thing about the whole thing is after all that happened, which our life turned insanity, <laughs> and that's actually when all the Bible studies shut down because I couldn't do ministry. Yeah. I had to shut yeah. down from life. We yeah, were like babies to take care of, playing baby mode. But God shut everything down at that time, and I was like, God, what are you doing? You brought these three babies in. And now all of my ministry stuff shut down, and I felt like I was just feeding babies, and I was just doing not like I, that's all I was doing. I felt like everything, my identity, in, in ministry, and everything, all the ministry just collapsed overnight. It's like there was nothing, but God used the season 
just to speak to me and, and, and just break me and mold me and put me through this crazy storm. But then once I resurfaced out of it, the high school tours launched and I did this wake up message called wake up. I, sp- I got invited to speak at the Calvary Chapel pastors conference. And that message, I did like 90 something events. Like right when it came out, a storm of just like all down with God, whatever you, this is where you have me, God. Here I am. <laughs> Feeding babies, cleaning poop. This is it. And I'm just like, I, I hate it, but here I am. And then God just like used that season to do whatever he wanted me. And then he just exploded my platform when I came out. And what happened is from there, I, when I get into the schools, what I did is I shared my story of when I'm in the high schools, I, I barely talk about the drugs and alcohol. I just touch on it. I talk about after I got saved and how I met my wife and how I had the kids and now I'm doing what I'm doing with God for God. And I use that story of the triplets and that's how we saw 85,000 people give their life to the Lord. Because of what God did with the triplets of that whole story, that storm I went through, that testimony brought 85,000 people to the Lord. Is that just crazy? If I didn't go through that, we wouldn't have seen that 85,000 kids give a lot of And that's, that's not the thing you think that would be the attraction to the young kids. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a love story. It is. I'm like, how is this story breathed out? You think that that would be it? Well, they want their lives to count, and they're seeing that God takes every child's life, and, and it's precious. And, and the value that we place on the, on the human being is one that they don't see in their generation. They're, they're, you know, we chose to have you because you're convenient. And, and you're just a cosmic accident, and, and you're some primordial soup that, it, no, it's value, and, it, and it, it gives them significance. I can see it, it's a blessing. I mean, I'm, I'm 56, it touches me. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's, you know, when I was thinking about it, I'm like, it's so crazy because it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a love story. Yeah. It, it, and I'd be like, why am I sharing a love story? I'm like a hardcore crazy guy, yeah. but here I am sharing a love story about how I met my wife and my you know, kids. It's so strange, but God uses that. Uh, how, uh, how old are the girls now? Uh, five. They're five. Oh, and I have a boy, too. Yeah, I have oh, a boy. I'm on. one and a half, Asher. Asher the Thrasher. Um, we have him. He's uh, one and a half. His birthday's on my birthday. Is that crazy? Boom. Yeah. That was a, that was a that Another was a God, God wink. Hey, and your wife's birthday. That's three yeah. right there. Let's Boom. party. Yeah, yeah. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's cool. Um, that's what we're doing now, and um, we're just uh, going for it, man. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll conclude with this. So, um, oh, we're doing this now too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a cool one. Uh, so, so Christine and I uh, get to know each other, Christine Boudreau, yeah, through Potter's Field. Oh, oh, okay, cool. And you know, I had no Mike and Pam, and um, and and then all of a sudden stuff starts going down, and yeah. Somehow I end up helping close that ministry down. That's right. That was you. Yeah. Long story. Yeah. Yeah. And um, got it. Okay. You know, I. And the one thing that God used me to do was to get all these kids home, get them connected, minister to them. I mean, I must have done sixty extra interviews, meeting with the kids, and their lives were crushed and broken, and it yeah. was hard. Yeah. And through that, I met Christina, and and you know, hearing her story, and that. When a bunch of the kids came off the mission field, they had to re-enter. Yeah. And and so we we hosted them here. Uh-huh. And Pastor Craig loved on them, and and there was some healings, and good stuff that yeah. occurred. Just they were crushed. Yeah. And uh, and through Christina, I met you. Well, I had I didn't meet you till th- this Sunday. Yeah. For the first time, but yeah. hearing all about you and what you were doing, and 
And I was thinking, why would Christine or any of these kids want to connect with me? I'm, I'm the political pastor. I'm the guy who's always talking about American history and a bunch of other stuff. And, and yet, that seems to be really appealing to this generation. Now, there's an awakening happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, well, why, what's the connection with you and me? Why would we? And then I hear, you know, the guy's fearless. He's, he's open. He's going for it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Same heart. Yeah, so then meeting you, I was really blessed. And then the, the, the kicker for me was when I, I had made a comment about Marcus in the sermon that you, you sat through, and you leaned over and you said, you know, Marcus and I are twins. And I had had, <laughs> I, I had recently had a, the privilege to sit with him at the Waypoint Cafe. And I've known him for years, but I had never heard his story. Yeah, it's crazy. Huh? It floored me. Uh-huh. And, and I, I love that guy. Mm -hmm. And when you said that, I thought, you know, Lord, thank you for blessing me with Ryan. Because I, I consider Marcus that guy. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, if, he can't call me at 3 o'clock in the morning to come get him out of prison because I'll be in prison with him. You know, yeah. it's that kind of thing. He's yeah. that kind of guy. I just yeah. adore him. And what an honor to call you a friend and a brother. Yeah, thanks a and lot, to hear man. your story. Yeah. It touches. It, and, you know, how the Lord puts our lives together in this tapestry of the island of lost toys, you know. And, you know, it's funny you say that because it's because like, you know, from what we know from you of the pastor from from uh, Christina is, you know, you're here, you're doing all the political stuff. And, 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 and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, hey, our church wants to get you. I'm like, they want us to come up here because, you know, like. That's so, doesn't, that doesn't, yeah, because yeah. it just seems like so, <clears throat> so opposite spectrums of, of what we're doing with, with the music and skate and all the subculture stuff where you guys, you're more on the platform and the, and the politics and all that and, and the gospel, obviously. But the unity is that at the end of the day, this is what's going on in the world and everyone's watching what's happening. We need shut down and the whole heart is how we're trying to bring people to Jesus and lead the way. We're trying to show people in the subcultures like, dude, don't believe in all that yeah. stuff. Like, and you're doing it on a whole nother platform, and that's the body of Christ. So we're totally in unity. Yeah. Thus, it's the same heart. It's the same mind. It's just one's the nose, one's the ear, one's the eye. You know what I mean? So you're gonna you're gonna be. Uh, I, I think. Uh, yeah. So. <clears throat> uh, to, to, let's see. Where are June, we? What's today? Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's all the, blurring the, together. Yeah, but this is gonna broadcast on Wednesday. Oh, okay. So let's walk everyone through it. Okay. Um, yeah. So Borchard Skate Park, two o'clock. That's here. Okay. You're gonna be doing that, and then uh, no, that's that was that was Monday. That's today's Monday. Today's yeah. Tuesday. What day is today's it? Tuesday? Today's Tuesday. I'm, that's right, because I have to go to Phoenix today. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Tuesday. All Tuesday. right, so Santa Clarita, and then uh, Bedford Pinkard Skate Park on Thursday, Pleasant Valley Skate Park, and then Pedlow Skate Park. So we're doing we're doing like eight eight, eight parks in eight days. Yeah, and um, you know it's been awesome, man. People have been showing up. Uh, the kids that are showing up, they're just shredding and they're just getting tricked. And they're all, we break down all the walls and the barriers between them by just all, all we're all skaters, we're all skating and having a good time. And then they're, when it's time for the gospel, the one, the, the one girl that's in the back over here, she was like, I've only been saved for a year and I was just tripping out how like they all just listened and they just gave their life to Christ. And yeah, I'm like, man. because it was, it was all authentic. It yeah, was just, it is. hey, we're, we're with you guys. We had a great time. You know, this is what we're about, and God loves you. And they listen, and they give their life to Jesus. Well, from, from, um, from the blessing that God's given us in each other, I just want you to know that uh, God speak. Um, we're, we're with you. Awesome. In any way we can be of help, Same you let us. me know. We're going we're gonna to support you. We're going to encourage you. And I'll just wait to hear from Christina as to what it is you guys need. And, 
and anything up to what is it half my kingdom no yeah <laughs> if yeah. it's within our ability to meet that need we'll yeah. do it we we are so blessed by what you do ryan and all the folks with the whosoevers and so thankful that you would take time to come and be with us and Folks loved hearing from you on Sunday. That was a joy. Dude, awesome, yeah. awesome. Well, I'm excited to be here. We'll be here again on Saturday night, and then with the, your young adults and your high school. So we're just going to keep pouring into everyone. Yeah. And just, just Saturday night, what time? Six? Uh, oh, you 6.30? Don't know. I, don't I don't know. know. We don't have it here. I'm, I'm like you. That, that one will work. Oh, we're doing a movie premiere on Wednesday. Oh, that's right, the movie premiere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's at 6.30. All right. So we'll get it, we'll get it all in there. Yeah, yeah. It's all we get. Hey, thank you, you, man. It was awesome. I agree. Uh, and... Um, you're one of the easiest guys to interview because it's just like you turn the switch on and sit back. So yeah. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, folks, uh, as you can see with Ryan Reese, we have been so blessed. Uh, the, the, the guy who's heading up the whosoevers and doing these events all over the country. And now he's in our area and he's been blessing our youth. And we're so thankful. And he's fearless. So support him. Uh, give us contact. How can they uh, go to the whosoevers.com, like John 3 16, but whosoevers with the S.com. And whosoevers.com. It's all there. You can contact us and book us. Have us come out to your guys' local cities and your schools and your skate parks and your universities and your concerts and your churches. I got to tell you, it, it, take him up on that because it, we'll be it's, it's effortless on our end, yeah. but the fruit is phenomenal. So check that out. All right, folks, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you and bless Ryan with uh, the blessing out of number six as we've been traditionally to do, and this is for all of you. And if you want to say it out loud and uh, where you're watching from, it'll be up on the screen. So here we go. Uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, Ryan Reese. And that's for you, brother. That's one of my favorite verses, actually. Amen. Thanks for watching. For more information, head over to VintageMcCoy.com or follow us on Instagram at The Vintage McCoy. We'll see you Friday evening.